Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Sometimes you see things and you hear things and you think, how it could anybody? How could anybody think that that was right or good or normal or it should be accepted or it should be enshrined in law or, you know, how could anybody think that? Well, this is the way people who rebel against God have always thought. This is just the pattern of man in sin. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 41 through 45. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Nebuchadnezzar is going to conquer Egypt. He's going to destroy it. He's going to do the same thing to Egypt that he did to Jerusalem. God knows that. So he tells them, don't go there. Stay here. But they are dead set on going to Egypt. Now, think about this. Where did the children of Israel come from? They came from Egypt, right? They came out of bondage in Egypt. I mean, that was their great historical event that God liberated them from their bondage in Egypt. And now they are dead set on going back to the very place that God set them free from. And when the Lord set them free from Egypt, you know what he said? Never go back there again. And now they are bound and determined. They are going to go back to Egypt. And so... Down in verse five, but Johanan and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah. And so they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. So they forced Jeremiah to go with them. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in Tapanis, and he said this, take large stones in your hand and hide them in the sight of the men of Judah in the clay in the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance of Pharaoh's house in Tapanis. And say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden, and he will spread his royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death and to captivity those appointed for captivity and to the sword those appointed for the sword. And I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. Wow. So now that they're in Egypt and they're probably thinking, Jeremiah, see how wrong you were? Look at Egypt. It's nice. It's wonderful. It's safe. It's prosperous. We're going to be okay. God says, Jeremiah, take these stones and hide them in front of the people and then tell them this. Wow. So 
verse 13, he shall break the sacred pillars of Bet Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians, he shall burn with fire. Bet Shemesh means house of the sun. So remember the Egyptians were, the sun god Ra was their chief god. And just as God had brought a judgment upon all the gods of Egypt back at the time of the Exodus, but the Egyptians still continued on in their idolatry. So now they're, they're going under another judgment by the Lord through Nebuchadnezzar. But just, again, pausing for a moment with this whole story, we just, you know, we just need to remember that uh, we, want to, we want to do things God's way because it's, it's for our benefit. That's, you know, people think like, well, you know, God has given all these commandments and restrictions and this is just going to make my life Miserable, and I'm not going to be able to enjoy myself or have the good time I want to have or do the things that I want to do. And that's a delusion that comes on the minds of, of many. And we just have to recognize that, no, the Lord's got the best plan. He's got a better plan. And um, I was talking to a young lady today about how much God has blessed her and how he's so radically just you know, turned her life around in so many ways. And there was a season in her life when she was away from the Lord. And she said to me, she said, you know, back then, she said, I was actually thinking about that the other day. And she said, and I was thinking like back then, I actually thought that I knew what was better for myself than God did. (laughs) And it's like, and it was not good. And she fully recognizes that. But the point is this, we don't have to, Learn the lessons the hard way. We can learn them through the experience of generations and generations and generations of people that have gone before us and simply through what God has said in his word, taking God at his word. And so, you know, as, as, as a person might be at a point where they're they're wrestling between two things. They're, they're sort of flirting with something, thinking that, you know, I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I should step over into that. It, it, there's, it's probably going to be so good, and oh, the Lord's holding me back here. And sometimes we're not even so much consciously thinking all of that. But, but that when, there's, when that temptation is there and we're being torn between two things, that's really what's happening. And, and if we would just stop for a minute and think, wait a second. Let's think about the consequences of this. I always think of David. Remember his little fling with Bathsheba. And I mean, David, he knew better than anybody that looking at a a bathing woman was not a good thing because it would lead to temptation. And yet he yields to that temptation And not only does he look at her, he calls and has her come to his palace. And he finds out even before that, that she's the wife of another man. But David let his own lust get the best of him. And, you know, if if David could have seen a video clip of what would happen 
as a result of these few minutes of pleasure, all of the misery, all of the suffering, all of the pain, and in this case, all of the death that would result from this, he obviously never would have done it. But, you know, this is what sin does. It, temptation comes along and it blinds us to reality. And we, we don't stop and think about it. We just go with the moment. We go with the emotion. And then the minute the thrill is gone, it's like, uh-oh, now I'm left to reap the consequences. And remember, as Paul said to the Galatians, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh corruption. So... I guess the redeeming stuff for us out of these chapters is just the lessons that were learned the hard way that we do not want to repeat. And so, chapter 44, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwelt in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah, and behold... This day they are a desolation and no one dwells in them. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense to other gods whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. Just that faithfulness of God to warn, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And again, as we go back to the scriptures, you know, the the commands of God are there as warnings. They're there to tell us, no, don't do this, don't go there. There's a reason I'm telling you not to do this because it's, it's harmful to you. God loves us and he's looking out for our best interest. So jump over to verse seven. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant out of Judah, leaving none to remain? That's it. You commit this great evil against yourselves. Why do you do this? You think of you could think of so many things, but you know you think of even on the larger level, the societal level. You think of certain laws and things that have been enacted, or or laws that you know people seek to pass. You know the legalizing of drugs and things like that. You know why do you do this to yourself? You know people think that this is this is freedom. This is this is. This is living the real life, being able to indulge ourselves in anything we want to do. But, you know, after a while, it's like, hey, how's that going for you? It's, it's not really going too well. We were talking yesterday about marijuana on the radio program. And we were talking about marijuana and, you know, the effects of it. What a lot of people don't realize is that marijuana it contributes, and they've, they've discovered this more and more in recent years, it's a big contributor to psychosis. So to literal mental illness where you become a crazy person, a person who's detached from reality, marijuana is uh, affecting people in that kind of a way, giving them a permanent psychotic state. And it's like, 
like who signs up for that? Hey, smoke this and it'll destroy your brain. Would anybody go, great, let me have it. Not anybody that's brain isn't already partially destroyed. But everybody thinks that, well, that, that's not going to happen, right? That's not going to happen to me. No, that's, that's just propaganda. That's not really true. I can do it. But then they end up, you know, they end up in a mental hospital. And then in some cases, they end up living on the streets. And so many of the, of the men that you see out on the streets who are the homeless group, they're referred to as the homeless, I think we should make a distinction because I don't think they're necessarily the homeless because most of them uh, have made the choice. They, they want to live out there. That's their, that's their world. But so many of them whose minds are blown, it's due to drugs. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. So God is just pleading, like, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? So down in verse nine, have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? They have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. That is mind boggling. When you think about the judgment that came through the Babylonians and and the Lord is saying now to these guys, you know, this has not fazed you. You haven't been humbled. You haven't been broken. You haven't recognized your sin. You haven't even recognized that this was my judgment. That's where this group of people were at, even though all of the evidence for judgment is right there before their eyes. Jump down to verse 13. For I will punish those who dwell in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, so that none of the remnant of Judah who have gone into the land of Egypt to dwell there shall escape or survive lest they return to the land of Judah to which they desire to return and dwell. For none shall return except those who escape. Then... All the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods with all the women who stood by, a great multitude and all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah saying, as for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do, listen to this, we will certainly do whatever has come out of our own mouth. Wow. So that's pretty bold and pretty blatant, right? We're, we're not listening to you. We're going we're gonna to do what we think. That's, that's it, right? So this is like a, a judge's thing where everyone does what is right in their own eyes and there's chaos in the nation. There's anarchy. And so that's pretty much the position now that these people have, have come to. We're going to do what's gone out of our mouth and listen to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings to her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Wow. So they just indicted themselves. They admitted that we have all been offering sacrifices to the queen of heaven. Now the queen of heaven was uh, the Assyrian Babylonian goddess Ishtar. And Ishtar would go by, um, Asherah would be the name in Canaan. 
And then later in history, like Venus would be the Roman name. So, you know, these gods and goddesses just from culture to culture, they were basically the same entities that were being worshipped. They just gave them different names. But if you trace everything back, then you go back to usually to Babylon. So here you have this, this worship. They refer to her as the queen of heaven. This is Ishtar. She is the goddess of love, fertility, and warfare. And so they are offering to her. And as they said, everybody does this. The kings did it. All of the families in Judah did it. It was Manasseh who introduced the worship of Ishtar into into Judah. Now, remember, Manasseh was that king who was, he reigned the longest of any king of Judah, 55 years, and he was, he brought more idolatry and more sin. I mean, he made Ahab look like a righteous guy. And, you know, Ahab is proverbially proverbially a a wicked king, right? When you think of Ahab and Jezebel, even people who don't know anything about the Bible, they know, okay, that's bad. Well, Manasseh was worse. And, but yet Manasseh was judged by God. He was carried away captive to Assyria and he turned back to the Lord. And then God delivered him and sent him back to Jerusalem, but the damage had already been done. And even though he tried to bring reforms, and even so, though his son Josiah had attempted to bring reforms, the people were still deeply entrenched in the idolatry. And so, but listen to what they say. They, they say this, when we offered to the queen of heaven, we had plenty of food. We were well off. And we didn't have any trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. And the women then chimed in and they said, and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings to her, did we make cakes for her to worship her and pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? So they're just admitting, we were all in on this and we're still in on it and we're going to do it in Egypt because it's better to serve the queen of heaven because when we're serving her, everything's going okay. I mean, that in and of itself was delusional. But, I mean, what are they basically saying? They're denying that God judged Judah. They're attributing their current difficulties to the fact that they've stopped worshiping the queen of heaven. These are the consequences of us slacking off on our devotion to her. So that's how deranged these people have become. And so again, I think the, the thing about this that I think is, is fascinating and, and instructional is that we just see that people are the same from generation to generation. You know, sometimes you probably do this. I do this sometimes. I mean, sometimes you see things and you hear things and you think, how it could anybody, how could anybody think that that was right or good or normal or it should be accepted or it should be enshrined in law or, you know, how could anybody think that? 
Well, this is the way people who rebel against God have always thought. This is just the pattern of man in sin. And the deeper you go into sin, the darker and darker the mind becomes. And you end up, you know, not only doing things that you would have never dreamed of, but you support them, you condone them, you cheer them on, you say, yeah, this is, this is it. And it's not uh, a phenomenon that is new that we happen to just be living with today. This is what all the preceding generations have, have also had, these kinds of things. And this makes it crystal clear. So Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, all the people who had given him that answer, saying, the incense that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings, your princes, and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them? And did it not come into his mind? So the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore, your land is a desolation, an astonishment, a curse, and without an inhabitant as it is this day. So, and again, we said this many times before, but you know, this is the cycle of nations. This happens to all of the nations. Nations have a, a season you know, a nation arises and however it comes into existence. And usually it comes into existence through the efforts of people who want to have a, you know, a decent kind of a societal experience. And so they develop a community and then it grows and expands. And, you know, in the early days, there's uh, a, lot of, a lot of times it's a lot of hard work and there's no time for idle play and and things like that. And, you know, generations learn how to kind of live like that. And, you know, life can be okay, can be tolerable, it can be decent. But then as a nation progresses, and especially as it prospers, then all, all the looseness comes in and then the next generation comes along and they don't remember what the previous generation did to establish uh, the nation. You know, Scott and I were talking tonight about some of our young friends, you know, who are really keen on socialism and think that that could be like a super great thing, you know, for the United States. And I was just saying, you know, the, the thing is that what they don't understand is that everything they know, everything they've experienced, all the, every enjoyable thing, all of the prosperity, you know, the things that they just simply take for granted because this is life in America, all of this goes away under socialism. This never even comes to existence under socialism. You know, I went to communist countries back in the day when the communists were still in power. Pastor John Chubik lived in Hungary just post-communism, and he lived in Ukraine post-communism as well. And I remember years ago, John and I would see each other every now and again, and he would just tell me about the absolute insanity of the culture that he lived in. It was like, how does a culture, how does it even exist with that kind of insanity? 
for the month of October, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. Can a Christian become demon-possessed? Is there really an unseen spiritual battle behind large-scale world events and the details of individual lives? If you've ever wondered about the unseen spiritual realm and its influence upon the physical world, then this month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will answer these very questions. If you want to better understand the spiritual battle that we're involved in as Christians, how to recognize the tactics of the enemy, and how to live a victorious Christian life, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Jeremiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.